The military now says that if you've had COVID-19, sorry, you can't sit here. Tom Cruise reportedly wants to film a movie in space because of course he does. And we have BuzzFeed Books editor Ariana Rebellini with us to give us the deets about this month's BuzzFeed Book Club choice. The date, May 7th, 2020. The time, news o'clock. Hello, friends. I'm Hayes Brown. And I'm Casey Rackham. Welcome to News O'Clock. So, Casey, it's good to see you again after, what, (laughs) 12-ish hours? Something like that. Not very many hours being on Zoom. It was actually my first Zoom birthday party that I've attended since this crisis. And it was pretty delightful, actually. I've been to like five Zoom birthdays so far. I'm doing another one tonight. But last night's was actually an absolutely wonderful one. It was the first one where there was probably around like 15 people and we all went around and said a nice thing about the birthday girl. And it was just like really heartwarming and it was just so nice to see how many like friends came out. I know, it was really good. It's among the most social I've gotten to be since being in the house. And it was a delight, even if I accidentally forgot for a second (laughs) that you work at BuzzFeed.com. Because for people out there listening, it was a group of people where a lot of us uh, used to work at BuzzFeed New York. And so I was telling a story and I said the words as the last person here at BuzzFeed. And immediately as those words left my lips, I realized, oh, no. (laughs) This is wrong. And that and that is when I interjected and I said, Hayes, we literally host a podcast together. I was shamed for like a minute. People had to be reminded this is not a roast of Hayes. This is a birthday party. So can get back to it. I'm starting to get sad, though, because my birthday is not until December and it's going to be my 30th birthday. And I'm oh, not man. a big birthday person. But this was the one time where I was going to be like, it's going to be my golden birthday. Mm-hmm. I'm turning 30 on the 30th. It's going to be a full moon. I'm like, I feel like I have to do something for my birthday. And now I'm like, I don't even know. I mean, if we're when I'm sure we'll be allowed to do things by then. But I don't even know if people will want to, if I'll want to I know. have like a big thing, you know. I feel that my birthday is in September. And I don't know. I've, again, I'm with you. I'm not normally like a huge like bang out birthday person but this time it's like i kind of wanna so we'll see we'll see (laughs) all right it's time for today's corona update and today there are four things you need to know number one the trump administration has permanently shelved a guide from the cdc with advice to local authorities on how and when to reopen things like restaurants and other public places in the coming weeks and months According to the Associated Press, the guide was supposed to be published last Friday, but CDC scientists were told the guidance would never see the light of day, according to a CDC official. It included very specific guidelines and recommendations, for example, installing sneeze guards at restaurants or spacing tables at least six feet apart. Common sense-ish. White House spokeswoman Kayleigh McKinney has maintained that the administration stands that most states are responsible for their own COVID-19 responses. I'm just literally floored by this. I mean, has the Trump administration like given any reason for why they aren't releasing this? Because I don't understand why they wouldn't want to help the citizens of their country. I I have no actual facts for you here. The best I can give you is the White House has kind of wanted to say, well, we'll take credit for the good things, but the states are mostly on their own, which that's not really how federalism is supposed to work. Okay, number two. The Pentagon is now considering saying that if you've had COVID-19, you can't join up. Military Times reports that a new memo from the Pentagon says, 
during the medical history interview or examination, a history of COVID-19 confirmed either by a laboratory test or a clinician diagnosis is permanently disqualifying. Now, a person can get a waiver from the specific branch of the military they're trying to join. So, you know, that's been the case for a while. If you have asthma, technically you're not supposed to be able to join, but we have a lot of asthmatics in the military these days. But, you know, right now that waiver can be difficult, especially with so much unknown about COVID-19. Okay, I do have a follow-up question for both of these corona updates. Why is permanently the word of the day? Why, why, why? (laughs) Well, at least there's some permanence in this world at all right now, Casey. Let us have this one. (laughs) All right, number three. A personal valet for the president tested positive for the coronavirus, which... Yikes. It was a naval officer who is, you know, detailed to the White House. According to NBC News, among his duties are serving the president his meals. So not someone that you would want to have coronavirus at a time like this. Uh, According to uh, news reports, the person was tested quickly after exhibiting symptoms on Wednesday. And the vice president and the president himself were tested and they came out negative. CNN reports that known germaphobe President Trump was seriously upset when he learned that someone that close to him had the virus. And number four, millions more people are unemployed after the last week, but most people are hopeful. Another three million people filed for unemployment last week, bringing total jobless claims for the last seven weeks to 33.5 million. Coupled with the fact that the Small Business Administration is lowering how much businesses can borrow for its relief program because of the huge demand, it's looking pretty grim. A new poll from Ipsos finds that people are pretty sure that their jobs will be waiting for them on the other side of this crisis. 70% of respondents said that, yeah, we think that when this is all said and done, we'll be hired right back by our jobs. And um, fingers crossed for all of them. I mean, I hope that's the case, but things do look grim. And I just don't know. We're not going to know what things look like until we're on the other side. And it's just kind of it's scary. It really is, especially since the other side is not really like a line yet. Like everyone Mm. is being pressed to reopen. Everyone is being pressed to go back out into the real world and leave their homes and go back to producing the things that keep the economy running. But no one knows what the being in the clear actually looks like, except for Dan Vergano, who yesterday told us that no one knows. Great. All right. It's time for today's good news, bad news. This is where I bring you some of the most, thank God, and most, oh my God, no stories from around the internet. Good news for Elon Musk's new son. It would be illegal for his parents to give him the name they announced. Musk and Grimes revealed they were having a baby together in January and announced the baby's birth earlier this week. But the name they chose is, well, here is how it's spelled. X-A-E-A dash, then the number 12. The internet lost their minds and nobody knows how to pronounce it. We're not going to spend too much time going through them, though, because we don't want to roast a baby. But it turns out California state law prohibits people from having names with weird characters or symbols. There's no word on what they actually put down on the kid's birth certificate then. Oh, my gosh. Are are they performance art? Are they secretly, like, going to have, like, footage of them put up in an art installation and be like, fooled you all! This is not who we are as human beings. 
They are two types of performance art that each think theirs is the better performance art and they don't go together exactly. And that actually makes sense because there was this whole thing about how Grimes was talking about how she wasn't going to announce the gender of their baby because, you know, the child should be able to decide how they identify. And then Elon Musk just followed it up and said, it's a boy. Uh, that's like, right. I mean, what? Right. So they're, uh, they, they do not seem to be on the same performance art page. Right. And also, speaking of that, I saw, too, that she gave like a long, detailed explanation of a tweet about the thinking behind the baby's name. And in there, the A-12 was meant to signify an aircraft that was the precursor of the aircraft that they both love so much. And she said that it was the SR-17. And directly in the tweet below, Musk goes, actually, it's the SR-71. And I'm like, Wow. Oof. Wow. Couldn't you couldn't put that in the DMs? You couldn't talk to her with your mouth, Elon? Yeah. Yeah. I don't feel great. I don't love it. So bad news for anyone who didn't want to hear the words Macaulay Culkin and crazy erotic sex in the same sentence, because I'm going to be saying it several times today. Macaulay has been AWOL for a minute, but he's going to be in the next season of FX's American Horror Story. Show creator Ryan Murphy told E! News about how he pitched Culkin for the role, saying he called up the Home Alone star with a, quote, very, very great, insane part. He said, okay, so this is how it went down. I said, okay, here's the pitch. And I told them the character. And I told him he has crazy erotic sex with Kathy Bates and does other things. And he paused and he goes, this sounds like the role I was born to play. So he signed up right then and there. So far, there are no other details out there, but the show's 10th season is scheduled to premiere next February. I love Macaulay Culkin in many ways. Like, he's a better actor than a lot of people give him credit for. Shout out to his role in Saved, a film that not enough people have seen. Yes. His little wheelchair Saved dance is one of my favorite movies ever. One, it sticks with me, Ugh. art. Uh, but I, I love the idea of him hearing this and immediately going, yup sold. I'm in. I completely buy that. I also believe that this was the the role that he was born to play. I'm just, I'm so aboard the Culkin train. I love, I love Kieran in Succession and I love everything that Macaulay does. So it's just, you know, I actually stopped watching American Horror Story a long time ago, but maybe I'm going to start up. I actually never really watched it. I saw like the murder, not uh, which season was it? The uh, the ghost house season that was filmed where it was like a documentary, the really meta one and part of oh, I don't Apocalypse. Think I saw that one. Yeah, it was like one of the more recent ones. So I've seen like none of it. But for the Macaulay Culkin banging Kathy Bates, uh, strong maybe, <laughs> strong maybe there. <laughs> All right, we have to take a short break, but when we come back, we're talking to Ariana Rebellini about the BuzzFeed Book Club and their amazing pick for the month of May. At SheFit, we're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat-burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Adoption of teens from foster care is a topic not enough people know about, and we're here to change that. 
I'm April Dinwiddie, host of the new podcast, Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Each episode brings you compelling real-life adoption stories told by the families that live them with commentary from experts. Visit adoptuskids.org slash podcast or subscribe to Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Administration for Children and Families and the Ad Council. This is Roxanne Gay, host of the Roxanne Gay Agenda, the bad feminist podcast of your dreams. Now, what is the Roxanne Gay Agenda, you might ask? Well, it's a podcast where I'm going to speak my mind about what's on my mind, and that could be anything. Every week, I will be in conversation with an interesting person who has something to say. We're going to talk about feminism, race, writing in books and art, food, pop culture, and yes, politics. I start each show with a recommendation. Really, I'm just going to share with you a movie or a book or maybe some music or a comedy set, something that I really want you to be aware of and maybe engage with as well. Listen to the Luminary Original Podcast, The Roxanne Gay Agenda, The Bad Feminist Podcast of Your Dreams, every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. It's time for Say More. Tired of staring at screens after being in the house for this long? Well, turns out there's this thing called books. They have no glare and are actually pretty good. Lucky for all of us, BuzzFeed has a monthly book club so we can read an actual book together. Here with us to tell us all about the club and the book we're going to be reading this month is BuzzFeed Books editor Ariana Revellini. Hello! Hey guys, thanks for having me. Of course. So for the folks out there who are unfamiliar, what's the idea behind the BuzzFeed Book Club? So the BuzzFeed Book Club is a little over a year old, and we started it to kind of have um, like a group for the people who are really, really avid and obsessive readers. Um, We pick one book a month that's fairly new, um, and we discuss it, basically. We just like really dive into it together. There's a Facebook group where people talk about books in general, but also like throughout the month, we update with questions and discussions. And um, there's a newsletter, too, which is like my baby that I love. And we send out author exclusives and things like what the author was thinking about while they were writing the book. And it's just really fun. It's a nice way to feel like part of a community within the books world. So the book club book for May is Chosen Ones by Veronica Roth, the author of the Divergent series. If you had to describe the book in three words, what would they be? (laughs) That's a really tough thing. Um, (laughs) It would be, this might not be what you're thinking of, but I would say, what happens next? That's bad. That's really bad. (laughs) Can I use more words? (laughs) Fine. Fine. We'll relax the rules this time. Thank you. It's like, oh wait, that means any book. Um, It's basically (laughs) like the after of like the happy ending. So Veronica obviously has a past writing kind of dystopian save the world type stuff. And this is like, oh, well, what happens to the people who save the world after, after they've done that? And the world gets back to normal and they're just like going grocery shopping. Like, what does their life look like? And it's really fun. It's kind of dark, too. It's just like it's it's great. I love it. Last month was the first month of the club where most people had stay at home orders in place. How's that affected the discussion? Well, it's interesting. I actually didn't put that together, but it makes sense. Last month was the first time I had people reaching out to me being like, can we actually get even more questions, more prompts, more discussion? So this month we 
put together a reading schedule to make sure people are kind of on the same page. Um, obviously, you know, we're not going to like require people to read by the schedule, but just kind of to have a more sense of, of doing this together and having weekly questions going up. I think people just want more consistent talking about the book throughout. And uh, what was it that made you choose this book in particular? Um, I think that it's this is an interesting place where we don't really do YA, um, mostly because I run it and I don't really read YA, nothing against it. It's just not my area. But obviously the people who are in the club do like it. A lot of them do. And this was, you know, someone who is beloved in the YA community, Veronica Roth. And as someone who loves fantasy and sci-fi, like this was an interesting take on it. And I think the question of what normal looks like is something I think about a lot. And I hadn't really realized that, but you know, when you see a horror movie, you're like, oh, they survived. But like, with what life, you know, like what did they survive for? Mm -hmm. How much PTSD is going through them right now? Yeah. And so, um, it all worked out together because we also did a Facebook live with Veronica Roth, you know, obviously every book tour is canceled and it's all virtual. So we did a really fun event with her there and getting to talk to her about the book just made me really excited to talk about it and bring her insights into the discussion we're having in the Facebook group and newsletter. So people who uh, listened last week, we gave a plug to the fact that the first chapter of Chosen Ones is up on BuzzFeedNews.com. And I got to say, it is a trip. I It just throws you right into this world that's really like ours, but not quite. Uh, Ariana, what was your reaction when you first got through that opening? Well, so... I mean, the same, but I'll say too, we didn't include the way the real opening of the book, so, which sounds, you know, like <laughs> sneaky, but what she does with, that I love in this book is she uses these primary documents kind of thing. So it opens with like a newspaper article. So you actually start seeing like a quick excerpt from, you know, a stand up thing about making a joke about this one woman who was one of the chosen ones. And then an, uh, like a supposed to be an Esquire profile of her and like the treatment of her. So it's this way of getting background without doing background, like, you know, flashbacks. Mm -hmm. And so it's even more immersive. And then you go right into that first scene. Um, and it, it's just, it, she really does a great job of creating that world very quickly and making it seem like a plausible thing. I know that this month has already started, but can people still join? Oh, of course. Yeah. So I think the easiest way to get involved is if you go to buzzfeedbookclub.com and that takes you to just like there everything you need to know about it. So from there, you'll get links to the sign up for the newsletter, sign up for the Facebook group and just like get to the excerpt and about the book. And it's all right there. And you can jump in at any time. Like we have the first discussion thread going in the Facebook group, but if you haven't read that far, you don't have to read that. There's like never going to be a spoiler in the main post. Like you'll have to look for spoilers. And yeah, we at any point we love we love to have people coming in throughout the month. And is everyone in the club already asking what the what June's book will be? And do you have any ideas yet what it will be? Um, I do know what it's going to be. I am not going to tell you guys. <laughs> uh, fine. You'll just have but to come back I, on and tell us at the end of the month. <laughs> I will say that actually it's going to be a guest host. So it's not really my wheelhouse, which I'd like to do every now and then because, you know, it's like I'm just one person and I try to make it different books, but can't cover everything. So that'll be fun. It's funny because there are some real like loyal members of the book club who are like really plugged in. And we announced the Veronica Roth pick later than usual because we were doing it with the announcement of the Facebook live event. Mm -hmm. And like 
on like the 15th, they were like, well, what are you guys announcing? Like, when, what is May's book? <laughs> like, it was like, because we usually do it right in the middle of the month. And they're like, um, are we going to find out? And so, it's, you know, it was just funny that people are paying attention that strongly. But yeah, we announced mid-month with an excerpt and uh, it's going to be good. It's, it's going to be a really fun pick. All this week, we've been asking folks on the show how they're going to celebrate Mother's Day this Sunday. What are you planning? So this is uh, very exciting because it's my first Mother's Day as a mom. Yes! So, so it's a big deal. I mean, obviously, I will be calling my own mother, but I'm ready to embrace making the day really all about me. So my son is 10 months, and I warned my husband I like, a couple weeks ago, I was like, you have two weeks to think of something really nice to do. So I don't know what he has planned, but we'll probably, um, I don't know, probably do what we always do, but just like feel a little more yeah. special about it and just like hang out <laughs> with the baby. Maybe go for a walk. Who knows? That's lovely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's time for The List. Because if you know BuzzFeed at all, you know how much we love lists. And today, we're looking at five actors who tricked us into thinking they were singing on screen. It's an open secret that most people in Hollywood who are cast in musical roles aren't exactly the best singers. But bless the ones who try. Looking at you, Russell Crowe. All right, number one. George Clooney in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Number two, Christopher Plummer in The Sound of Music. Blossom of snow, may you bloom and grow, bloom and grow forever. Number three, Natalie Wood in West Side Story. I feel pretty, oh so pretty, I feel pretty and witty and gay. Number four, Zac Efron in the first High School Musical movie. And number five, Rami Malek in Bohemian Rhapsody. Mama. Fake teeth and a fake voice, man. Uh, some of these were just like real like heartbreakers to actually learn about, to be honest. I knew all of them except Christopher Plummer, and I'm having a real hard time because the movie's literally called The Sound of Music, and I'm just super upset right now. <laughs> I know. That one hit me, too. Apparently, he says that uh, he you know, did the opening and the ending of some of the songs, but most of like the real singing was done by a dude named Bill Lee. Like we said, open secret that a lot of the animated songs that are done in musicals are an entirely different person. I just got, I knew that as a child that Jasmine's singing voice and real voice were different people. But for real live action, it's just more heartbreaking. Like Natalie Wood in West Side Story. What? She's Maria. She should be singing herself. And apparently she thought she was. She recorded and did not what? really know that she was going to be replaced. Uh, oh yeah, my God. I know. 
Okay, I do have a question here. As I was reading it, Zac Efron in the first High School Musical movie, does that mean he's staying in the second and third? Yes, apparently he Please? forced his way through, according to the list that I drew this from. But yeah, apparently he like forced, like, if I'm going to be in the second and third movie, I need to be singing myself. He was really surprised. He was another person who was surprised when watching High School Musical. He was like, that's not me. What is happening? Oh, my God. I love all of these, like, just liars who are leading these people to believe they're singing. <laughs> I know. I got to say that all hail Marnie Nixon, who is not only covering for Marie and West Side Story, but Aubrey Hepburn in My Fair Lady. She did all the singing <gasps> for that movie as well, which is insane when you consider that Julie Andrews did the role originally. And then she went on to do Mary Poppins. So Marnie Nixon was a true hero of Hollywood and way too unknown. Okay, yes, I want to tell everyone about her now. <laughs> For more of these wild-ass facts, you can check out the full BuzzFeed list titled 15 Famous Actors Who Tricked You Into Thinking They Really Sang in Movies. All right, we have time for one more thing, because I can't let you guys go until we talk about this. Tom Cruise might be filming a movie in space. Space. Not, like, for real space. Like, up there, <laughs> above the sky, space. <laughs> actual space deadline reported on monday that tom cruise and elon musk of course spacex were in talks about the first film to be shot in actual literal space and nasa which is you know the space guys are, are they on board with this apparently they are nasa administrator jim bridenstine tweeted on monday NASA is excited to work with Tom Cruise on a film aboard the space station. We need popular media to inspire a new generation of engineers and scientists to make NASA's ambitious plans a reality. <laughs> this is a fucking terrible idea. This is such a bad goddamn idea. I can't even grasp. I can't wrap my head around how stupid this is. Hayes, I did not go see Cats in theaters, but I am going to eat an edible and go see the space movie in theaters. I think it'll be the same. No, that's, I'm sorry, that's thinking too far ahead. That's assuming that this movie actually gets made and actually, you know, can be done. Because I have doubts. I How do you plan on actually shoot? I mean, I, if the plan is to sit, shoot Tom Cruise up in a rocket, get him to the space station and remotely film him being all floaty and call it a day? Or do they plan on doing a full movie production in space? I don't I don't know what their thinking is here. Real quickly, I want to revisit you saying Tom Cruise being all floaty. <laughs> Second, um, I'm excited. Tom Cruise loves doing his own stunts. Just imagine what he'll do in space. Explode. He will explode in space, Casey. Because space is fucking dangerous. <laughs> Okay, listen, I don't have much to look forward to right now, so you're just going to have to give me this one. <laughs> oh, but man, imagine, this movie would be so expensive to make, and this could be our Ishtar, to be honest, though. This could be, like, the most expensive <laughs> movie ever made, because they have to shoot people into space, and it could just be utter trash, though. It could be like, wow, you spent all this money for nothing. But then again, it's Elon Musk, so we're kind of used to this by now. This is his performance art. <laughs> <laughs> we're looping it all together. Congratulations, <laughs> listeners out there. You guys have a full arc for today's episode. <laughs> all right, that's it for today. Join us tomorrow when we have Motherly Stories editor Cons Preddy with us to talk about how Mother's Day will be for her and everyone else during this pandemic. And remember, as New York Governor Andrew Cuomo said today, June for many people is just next month. 
<laughs> I know. So be sure to subscribe to News O'Clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show, what you love about the show, what you think the show should become. And tell your friends about us. Then set your alarm so you never miss another episode of News O'Clock. Socks are the number one most requested item at homeless shelters. Underwear second and shirts are third. At Bombas, socks were first, made with comfortable details for everyday wearing. Then underwear and shirts too, all designed to perfectly fit. At Bombas, every item you purchase means you're donating an essential clothing item to someone in need. One comfortable clothing item for you, one donated to someone in need. Bombas, comfort for all. Get 20% off your purchase at bombas.com slash comfy. Hi, everybody. I'm Rachel Bonetta, and I have my very own podcast called Benched with Bonetta. You kidding me? Woo! I'm just here so I won't get fined. Every week, I'm going to be talking about all the things I find fascinating about the NFL, and I'm doing something that has never been done before. I'm opening my DMs. DMs now open. <laughs> Listen every Tuesday and join me on the bench. Subscribe now and listen to the Benched with Bonetta podcast on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, I'm Minnie Driver, and on my podcast, Mini Questions, I put together a little experiment. I ask trailblazers across different disciplines the same seven questions. Questions about the inflection points in their life, what they like least about themselves, and what relationship has defined love for them. This season, I'm coming back with new trailblazers like Blondie vocalist Debbie Harry. I did have a revelation. It was at CBGB's, as a matter of fact. I was waiting for the audience to give it to me, give it to me. Then I realized that I had to make them. I had to command them. Artist and creative juggernaut Goldie. And I walk up to the mountain, I hike up. Just being in that environment and seeing life and death in front of you, right in front of you. And I go up there and scream and cry and, and, and laugh. And I find that being the happiest and many more join me as we continue this exploration on season two of mini questions on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your favorite podcasts